Hello and welcome into another episode of Lockdown Wolves. Today on the show, Seth Partnow of The Athletic has released his player tiers and Carl Anthony Towns has dropped a full tier. We'll talk about some of the players that are ahead of him, which is kind of crazy. And also, the two Timberwolves players in tier five, you can maybe guess who they are. Two players in tier five, I'll give my feedback on why I like one of the rankings and one I feel like is pretty inconsistent with the criteria for Seth's rankings. We'll get to that here next. Welcome in. You are Lockdown Wolves. You are Locked On Timberwolves, your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked On Wolves. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Happy hump day. And a big thank you for making Lockdown Wolves your first listen every day. Lockdown Wolves is free and available everywhere, including YouTube, as well as all of your favorite audio platforms, wherever you like to listen to podcasts. You can find this show. You can also watch along with all the other Minnesota podcasts on both Amazon and Amazon Fire TV and Roku as part of the Lockdown Sports Minnesota app. More great local sports coverage 24-7 for free. Download the app, the Lockdown Sports Minnesota app today. Again, that's either Roku or Amazon Fire TV. You can also follow the show on Twitter at Lockdown T Wolves and also at B Beacon. That's with two B's, two E's, C K E N. All right. Uh, we've been talking a lot of FIBA. We'll get back into that. The USA plays next, I believe, Friday. Um, so a little bit later this week. And today I want to focus on um, on Seth Partnow's tears. That's what we're going to spend the majority of the show talking about here today. And if you're not familiar, I'll give kind of a brief overview here at the top, as well as a criteria, which is very important. And that's one of the things I'm going to point to quite a bit is the stated criteria for the for the exercise. And uh, there's been three Timberwolves ranked in tiers four and five. There's, of course, three tiers to go. He's going from five to one. And I want to express my surprise at where Towns ranked. And then also two Timberwolves in tier five as well. We'll talk about them actually first. One of them, not a surprise. The other one, I was a little bit surprised he was as low as he was. So uh, let's first talk about the point of the exercise. And again, if you're not familiar with Seth, Seth Partnow uh, worked for the Milwaukee Bucks. He was essentially their director of analytics for a few years. He initially was a writer for like Nylon Calculus over at Fanside. and did some other stuff a few years ago. Spent, I don't know, three to five years-ish. I'm, I'm obviously... Could be butchering uh, the summary of his bio, but a few years in charge of analytics for the Bucks, and then left, and now works for the Athletic. And overall, a fantastic analyst. He's a great follow on Twitter, on X, whatever. Um, so all that to say, this system is far more scientific, I would say, certainly analytical, than any of the other player ranking systems. Now, in Seth's own description of of the exercise, he says this isn't really a player ranking. Um, it, it, he says the way he does it is how NBA front offices do it, which is, which is by tears. And, um, again, I'm not going to read his full explanation for the thing, but I'll give kind of the, the high level. Basically he, he argues that there's between 125 to 150 players that on average perform at a level consistent with adding measurable championship equity to their teams. Right. So up to 150 guys, he trims the list to 125 because he wants it to be uniform from year over year. Um, and he he factors in a few different things, but there's also some very important things that aren't included in in the in the criteria. So 
Number one, these tiers, as he says, are about championship equity for 2024. Now, don't forget that. It's this year. It's not a, he even says, it's not intended to be a quote unquote franchise redraft exercise. He also says they're not intended to represent trade value. So this is different than say a really unscientific trade value column that like Bill Simmons at the ringer would do, right? He says the specific question being asked is, now I'm reading this directly. The specific question being asked is, assuming the player is healthy and paired with competitive teammates, which players provide the most value toward winning a title? Okay, for 2024, championship equity for 2024. He goes on to say that the tiers are largely contract agnostic. In other words, they can factor in if it's close, but like um, it's not an overarching um, factor, right? Because the rankings are supposed to, or I should say the tiers are supposed to focus on on-court production relative to other players, not necessarily to their contract. So it sounds like he basically used contracts almost as a tiebreaker. Like, is this role player paid what they should be for their role, um, not necessarily, or are they outperforming what they're being paid, not necessarily dinging guys for big contracts, okay? So contracts shouldn't matter either. You see where I'm going with this, right? Um, Role matters, he talks a little bit about, so the example he gives is Brandon Ingram, where Brandon Ingram is, uh, is a star, but you're not probably a legitimate championship contender if he's your best player. Would he, you know, would he be a good third or fourth option on a team? Now, this is an interesting one because that makes me think of Carl Anthony Towns, right? Like, I'm not at all suggesting that Towns has to be the third or fourth option on a championship team, but he's no longer option 1A, right? And and that's kind of the thing is a lot of people think he's not, he's not the guy to be built around. So I think the Ingram, and, and he's not now with Anthony Edwards in the picture and also Rudy Gobert, um, you know, Towns isn't the guy anymore. And so I think that is important to point out um, in the context of the Brandon Ingram discussion. So he talks about role mattering. Can a player perform well in a reduced role or do they get overextended in a larger role? He talks about positional skill set mattering. Um, and then he, this is also important. He says advanced metrics were the starting point, but not the end of the analysis. So he used that plus the context that they played it. So the way he puts it, I'm going to read this directly as well. He says the advanced metrics are not answering the question, how good is this player? Rather, it is how effective was this player in the role and context in which he played. The tiers are meant to be as context independent as possible. So some degree of adjustments up or down for players who are in particularly harsh or unkind situations is appropriate. Okay. So with all that out of the way, let's start with tier five, which tier rules players we're in tier five in Seth Partnow's analysis. Well, uh, one, which makes a lot of sense to me, is Mike Conley. Um, I would still argue Mike Conley is one of the best 125 players in the league. Um, you could even argue he's in the top 100. There's a lot of other names in this tier that that are are pretty similar. Um, you know, D'Angelo Russell, for instance, is in this tier. We had this big discussion last year around the trade deadline. In a vacuum, who's the better player? In a vacuum, I'd still probably say D'Angelo Russell's the better player. But in the f- terms of fit with the Timberwolves, I don't think there's any question, Mike Conley's, that there's not any question. Mike Conley's the better fit, right? Lower usage, better all-around defender, better team defender, um, more of the veteran leader type. You know, D'Lo had his, had his pros. He certainly had his cons. Mike Conley is better in the areas. He's at, He's a... Oh, I said it already, right? Like lower usage, but he's a better catch and shoot three-point shooter. He's a better team defender. I mean, those reasons alone. But this is a good example, right? Like 
if you were if in a vacuum, if you had to pick one of these two guys and you didn't know who the rest of your team was, you could pick D'Angelo Russell with a straight face. And these tiers show that, right? They're both in the same tier. There's a bunch of other names like guys that I, you know, on its face, or maybe if you were doing this 12 months ago, it'd be surprising they weren't higher, like a Scotty Barnes or Malcolm Brogdon. Clay Thompson has slid all the way to this tier. Um, he, he calls it tier 5A, but there's no 5B. So we'll just call it five. Um, there's some guys who I think are going to rise quickly, like Emmanuel quickly. See what I did there? Um, Cam Johnson, of course. Uh, you know, Jakob Pertl, who's a good example of somebody whose advanced metrics are glowing, but, you know, context really matters, right? And he's not going to get overextended beyond what his uh, what his role should be. Benedict uh, Matherin is on here, an exciting rookie from last year. There's a lot of sophomores that are a nice spot. Walker Kessler. Um, so not a lot of guys that aren't surprises in Tier 5. And I put Mike Conley in that category. I'm 100% on board with him being ranked where he is. However, there is another Timberwolves player that I'm really surprised is in Tier 5. We'll talk about him here next. Today's episode of Lockdown Wolves is brought to us by our friends over at FanDuel. Football season is about to kick off. We're week two of the preseason, believe it or not. FanDuel is giving you the chance to win all season long. Right now, when you bet on a Super Bowl winner, you can get bonus bets every time that they win in the regular season. That's right. Just pick any team to win the Super Bowl. You'll get bonus bets for every victory once the regular season kicks off. Uh, it's it's a fantastic deal. If you're watching um, Hard Knocks over on HBO Max, I bet the uh, there's going to be the Jets always get a bunch of uh, a bunch of a bunch of buzz, right? So um, the Jets, I'm sure, will be a popular pick there. I don't know about that. The offensive line is suspect. I would I would hesitate there. Um, the Vikings are in a weak division. I mean, I wouldn't blame you if you if you want to take a flyer in the Vikings here. It's fun, obviously, to root for your favorite team. It's fun to root for wins in the regular season. Um, of course, there's also baseball there. Uh, hockey's going to kick off soon. FIBA World Cup later this month. There's plenty. Uh, but you can use your bonus bets on spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and start earning bonus bets with America's number one sportsbook. That's FanDuel.com slash Locked on. A big thank you once again for making Lockdown Wolves your first listen every day. Of course, every day is we'll be back on Friday. I believe Team USA's game is actually during the day Friday, so I probably won't have that in the uh, in, in the show for Friday. But we'll talk a little bit more FIBA. What else is going on with other Wolves players? We'll talk a bit about Cat, the Dominican Republic, um, and then perhaps if there's more player tiers released. We'll have more. More uh, more to discuss there as well. So that'll be Friday's show. Uh, but of course, we're Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Currently, we'll be back again uh, Monday of next week. Um, all right, let's continue talking player tears from Seth Partnow over at The Athletic. And it's time to talk Jade McDaniels. Jade McDaniels is in that tier five. I rattled off a few players from that tier earlier. And, uh, you know, that includes Mike Conley. So here's why I'm surprised he's in tier five. Jade McDaniels is a really hard player to peg in a system like, or in a in a ranking system, if you will, tier system like this. And here's why. His advanced metrics are not kind. They're not. And it's one of the reasons why the first couple years of his career, I was very measured in my, in my analysis of Jade McDaniels. I tempered my overall expectations for him because the advanced metrics have never really been kind. He's not a very efficient offensive player. And defensive metrics aren't always super accurate, and they don't always appropriately define the role. They're not very in the weeds, right? Um, it's hard to define with a catch-all. And we've talked this offseason about just how good he was defensively, right? I've spent a lot of time with the B-Ball Index numbers. We've done plenty of shows on, um, you know, he's the 
best, the very best player in the league at navigating ball screens. He's one of the very best perimeter defenders. There's so many metrics that suggest that. There's no question about it. And I think this ranking undervalues those things, undersells those things. Because, and this is good, when we talk Carl Anthony Towns, when we're going to talk Carl Anthony Towns, I'm going to harken back to this, this point here. Jade McDaniel's advanced metrics are not, still not kind. And the way that Seth does these rankings is he takes a three-year average of some of these different advanced metrics. So for instance, um, he takes the three-year average of EPM and RAPM. RAPM is the real adjusted plus minus that I cite quite a bit. It's it's one of the better publicly available metrics out there. It's ESPN stat. And then EPM is, um, is estimated plus minus, which is really only a single year metric. And long story short is Seth decides that the three years of our RAPM is better than one year of EPM. So he takes a three-year average of a player's RAPM. Now that's going to hurt Jade McDaniels because he's only in year three of his career, right? And the first two seasons, he frankly wasn't very good. He took a mini jump this year. I would say even bigger than mini jump. I think he took a jump this year. So his three-year average estimated RAPM is 253rd in the league. It's a negative number. So is his three-year average estimated EPM, his estimated plus minus. He's a one, he ranks 188. That's a negative number there too. His other advanced metrics that are cited here, minutes per win and production value estimated in this article, are both above 200, meaning not in the top 200 players in the league. So given those numbers, I'm surprised he's on the list at all, right? However, back to my first point about Jade McDaniels, we know he's the best in the league at navigating ball screens. He's literally one of the very best perimeter defenders and all-around defenders in the league. He uh, shot nearly 40% for three last year, improved offensively. And he's only getting better, right? So given Seth's own criteria, it's very surprising to me. Very surprising to me that Jade McDaniels is only in tier five. Because if he's the very best in the league at some very important skills in 2023, 2024, like navigating ball screens, uh, being switchable and versatile on the defensive end of the floor, blocking shots from positions other than the center spot, um, transition, but on both ends of the floor, chase down blocks, all, all the stuff he's really good at that are very important in today's NBA in 2024. If context matters, then why is he only in tier five? I buy the advanced metrics argument and, and all day. And if you're regular listening to the show, I, I err on the side of trusting advanced metrics of trusting analytics, if you will, for most players, I think many catch-alls can paint a very good picture. It's never one number, and I say that all the time. It's never one stat that you could just say, okay, here's the Bible on on who's good and who's not good, because context always matters, as Seth Partnow says in the intro to his article. But if you take several metrics then and they paint a pretty clear picture, I can I can certainly buy that Jaden McDaniels is not as good as many Timberwolves, player, Timberwolves fans think he is, he's not as good today as maybe even the Timberwolves think he is. Like I think all that can be true, but I don't understand how, if you're saying today, how could, could he help you win a title? We're discounting the things that he's the best in the league at because those things matter too. So I'm not arguing for him to be tier one or tier two. I'm not arguing that he is one of the best 30, 40, 50, 60 players even in the league. I'm arguing that he's certainly in the top 100. If you're the best at anything, you should be in the top 100, unless you literally can only shoot and do nothing else, right? But if you, the one thing you're the best at is navigating ball screens, which happen almost every single time down the floor, or if you're in the top five, we'll call it, as a perimeter defender, which is important every single time down the floor, 
And context matters in the sense that you could plug Jaden McDaniels into all 30 teams in the league and he'd be a fit because of his versatile skill set, because of his ability um, to guard multiple positions, to play in whatever defensive scheme you want to play. And also now his rising offensive skill, the fact that he can actually catch and shoot at this stage of his career, which wasn't the case in year one. It seems kind of absurd that he's in tier five, doesn't it? Isn't that kind of crazy? I mean, you can't sit here with a straight face and tell me that this year, I'm using Seth's own criteria, championship equity in 2024, the value that he could bring to win a championship in 2024, tell me with a straight face that Jalen Green could do as much for any team in the league to win a championship in 2024 as Jaden McDaniels. Tell me that Markel Fultz is going to do as much as Jaden McDaniels to lead his team to a championship this year. I'll go on down the list. I mean, I've there's like 30 guys to choose from. I mean, is Trey Murphy the third going to do as much to win a championship as Jaden McDaniels? What about Quentin Grimes? Like, these guys are good players. That's why they're on the list. But Jaden McDaniels, none of them are the best at anything that they do on the floor. Jaden McDaniels is the very best at some of the most important things in the game right now in 2023, 2024. I like advanced metrics, I th- which is a, a really weird statement, but I, I like, I trust, I trust the, va- like, I, I get, I get it. I get that his advanced metrics aren't good. But again, using Seth's own criteria, context matters. And we're talking about 2024. And actually, if you want to, if you want to talk beyond that, obviously there's still plenty of upside to Jade McDaniels. I, I just, I think it's a very short-sighted ranking. Um, and actually, it's not a bad segue to talking about Carlton Towns because Carlton Towns, we all know, has very strong advanced metrics. And so, if you're looking at this, if you had just opened up this exercise, you looked at tier five, you go, okay. Fine. Well, you know, Jay McDaniels is is ranks 253rd in RAPM real adjusted plus minus over the last three years. Okay. I guess he's lucky to even get on this list at all if this is going to be advanced metrics list. Well, no, not necessarily. I mean, like Carl Tony Towns, we'll we'll talk about his numbers. We know his advanced metrics are really, really good. That's that's you know, Cat has strong advanced metrics. But he's only a tier four A, or excuse me, four B. He's a tier four B. He is a half tier above. The guys I just listed, Quentin Grimes, um, Jalen Green, uh, Jaden McDaniels. Does Carlton Towns deserve to just be a tier 4B? Where was he last year? I'm going to talk about all that next and talk about why the the same argument used to to keep McDaniels where he is can't also be used to keep Carlton Towns a tier 4B. We're going to talk about all that here next. All right, Carlton Towns last season about a year ago in the same exercise was in tier 3C along with Anthony Edwards. Okay, some other names in that tier, uh, CJ McCollum, Jaron Jackson Jr., Clay Thompson, LaMelo Ball, Zion Williamson. So that made a little bit of sense at the time. I thought it was a little low, but I only argued for him to go up a half tier, maybe two. He's been on this slight slide, right? Two, three years ago, he was tier 3A going back to 2020. Then he slid to 3B. Then he slid to 3C. Now he skipped 4A and went all the way down to 4B in Seth Partnow's rankings. Which, just even saying that, like, I I get it from the standpoint that he only played in, what, 29 regular season games last year. But we're talking about 
the 2024 championship equity. Like, what can he bring towards winning a championship in 2024? And if you want to talk about the advanced stats, we're using a three-year sample size, right? Three years for real adjusted plus minus, three years for estimated plus minus. And where does Towns rank there? Well, the three-year RAPM, he's 23rd in the league. He's 25th in minutes per win, 25th in production value estimate, 38th in estimated uh, uh, plus minus, the EPM stat. So those are all really, really, really nice. So why is he in tier 4B? If we want to talk about winning a championship in 2024, and we're not factoring in contract, by the way, which production value estimate still has him 25th, but if we're not factoring in contract, which we're not supposed to accept as perhaps a tiebreaker based on the criteria, then how is he tier 4B? And if we're leaning on the admits metrics as perhaps we did, apparently we did, to um, to put Jade McDaniels in tier 5A and, and put him all the way down there, if that if that's the reason and we're saying, okay, then why is Townsend tier 4B? Like, like, which criteria really matter the most of all the ones I cited earlier? Like, what are we really leaning on here? I get the positional skill set matters thing, right? Like, um, and actually he talks about it this a little bit in the, in the article. So with each article, there's a small write up on a handful of players in there. He doesn't talk specifically about Carl Anthony Towns very much, but he talks about, um, how does he classify him? Hang on. I want to make sure I get this right. Um, I lost it. He talks, he talks a little bit about, about basically bigs who, um, who don't fit today's big role necessarily very well, if that makes sense, which I said that weird, but essentially Towns isn't a switchable defender and teams can only get away with this. If, if their bigs can only get away with having stretch bigs consistently on the floor, if they're switchable and flexible defensively, I think he's frankly, my take on this is he's punishing Towns a little bit for the context of the Wolves roster, because Towns is going to be asked to do something this year like he was last year when he was on the floor that isn't super comfortable to him. And that's guard on the perimeter. It's to be versatile. It's to be switchable because you have the presence of Rudy Gobert. So I think he's being docked. And again, there's not really an explanation here, but he has to be getting docked in part because of his role and the roster around him. Otherwise, this makes no sense. Um, other players in 4B, Fred Van Vliet, Jared Allen, DeJounte Murray, Tyrese Maxey, Miles Turner, Brooke Lopez, Julius Randle, Franz Wagner, Nick Claxton, Austin Reeves, Victor Wembanyama, which he talks about how he's never put a rookie on here, but he has to with Wembanyama. Uh, Wembanyama, excuse me. Um, that's 4B. Now, he does have him ahead of 4C. Uh, there is a 4C. So there's a handful of guys there like uh, Zach Levine, Marcus Smart, Deandre Ayton, Jeremy Grant, John Collins. So, like, those are good players that he's ranked ahead of. But Boyan Bogdanovich, like, that's another one. He's ranked ahead of all those guys, and that he should be. But... I'm again going to argue for a half tier, which seems, or I guess a third tier in this case, which I did last year. But like Paolo Bancaro's ranked in 4A. Like Paolo Bancaro is exciting. I know he won rookie of the year, but like if we're playing the advanced stats game, like he was 294 in EPM, 234 in RAPM, that's 200 spots worse than Carl Anthony Towns. If we're talking 2024, we're not talking, we're not talking contract value. And we're not talking future projection based on uh, or, or projecting out future production and, and impact on a championship in three years. 
So why is Bancaro a, a tier or a third tier or whatever? Why is he a 4A and Towns a 4B? I, I can't understand that one for the life of me. And I'm, I know I'm quibbling. And I said this on Twitter on Tuesday. Like, it's very nitpicky and, and kind of silly, honestly. But you know what's also silly is putting Paolo Bancaro ahead of Carlton Towns on any list of players in 2024. Like, it's just absurd. There's, there's no world. There's no world. It's got to be a simple oversight by Seth because, again, Seth does a fantastic job. There's no world in which Paolo Bancaro should be on any list ahead of Carl Anthony Towns in the year of our Lord, 2023-2024. It just makes no sense. Um, other guys in 4A that are slightly ahead of Towns, uh, Porzingis, which is a weird one. Like, why aren't they in the same tier? Um, especially if you're factored in injury history, which which he mentions as a thing that could factor in. Speaking of, like, Robert Williams III is a 4A, really good player, but given his... You know, within his role, he's a really good player, and he's also doesn't not on the floor that much, right? So some of these guys that are in four A, I just I struggle with it. Like Evan Mobley, I get it. I'm a little surprised he's not higher. You got a bunch of like super role players like Aaron Gordon, um, Andrew Wiggins. Uh, you got rising stuff like Demonis Sabonis being a half tier or third tier ahead of Towns. I know Sabonis was great last year, but guess what? When Towns is healthy, he's also great. Brandon Ingram's a half, also in four A, a third tier ahead of Towns. Like why is Brandon Ingram ahead of Carl Anthony Towns? Um, I, I really, really struggle with some of these guys in 4A being ahead of, of Towns. Like, he's an elite shooter. He's one of the best offensive talents in the league. And he's. I don't think the team's going to have to rely on him. Like, I understand the, the argument that Towns could be overextended defensively because of the presence of Gobert. But we also saw the Wolves try and give him less to do defensively because of the presence of Rudy Gobert, right? You have Jade McDaniels and Anthony Edwards flying all over on the perimeter. Towns doesn't have to doesn't have to be the drop big like he was in the past, unless he's on the floor as the center with Gobert on the bench. Um, like overall, there should be less pressure on Towns. He he can be the fifth best defender out of five when you have Anthony Edwards, Jade McDaniels, Mike Conley, and Rudy Gobert on the floor, right? So. Uh, this is a whole other conversation, but I, I'm just saying, like, I'm trying to trying to think of any reason why he should be 4B behind some of these other guys. Um, like Derek White, nice player. Is he better than Carl Anthony Towns? Like, is that, do we really think that now? Um, you know, maybe, like, like maybe some of the advanced metrics would say he is. Um, but again, like, if that's the game we're playing, why is Jakob Pertle 5A? Like, if context really matters, I feel like this list. Put simply, is trying to have it both ways, and I know that I know that Seth Partnow is trying to take all of the data and plug it into this this tier ranking system and just make it as clean as possible. And it's an impossible task, and I get that. But like, there's some really silly oversights, and 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 chief among them being Carl Anthony Towns ranking below Paolo Bancaro. I know it's not a ranking, but being a tier below Paolo Bancaro, it just seems crazy to me. And similar to Jaden McDaniels being in the same tier as Jalen Green. Like, Jalen Green's not helping anybody win a championship this year. Put him on any roster. Put him on Put him on the Lakers. Put him on the Celtics. I don't, like, doesn't matter that he's on the Rockets. Put him on any team. He's not a plug-and-play to help you win a championship. But Carl Anthony Towns would be. Jaden McDaniels absolutely would be. Like, Given that criteria, you could you could argue McDaniels could be ahead of Towns. And I don't think he's a better player than Towns, but his skill set is so transferable. Um, I, I just, it's so hard for me to wrap my mind around this. And Anthony Edwards has not been ranked yet. I'm sure he'll be somewhere in the neighborhood of three again. I'd be really surprised if he's up in the tier two. Um, and I'll give some context when, when we do talk about that as to like where tiers were in the past um, and like how many players in each tier and all that stuff. Um, like last year, Anthony Edwards was in 3C with Carl Anthony Towns. The year before that, Edwards was in 5A coming out of his rookie year. 
Well, Towns is now in 4A, or excuse me, 4B, after sliding a half tier every year. Towns went from 3A to 3B to 3C, skipped 4A, went to 4B. Edwards was 5A to 3C. I'm guessing he's going to be in 3A. Complete guess. Um, but I'll give some context as to number of players in the tier and all that good stuff when we get to it. So uh, we'll continue talking about this. It's the best. I spend way more time on this than I do in any of the other player ranking lists that like Sports Illustrated or Bleacher Report or ESPN do because those, I don't want to say they're thoughtless, but they there just isn't as much behind them. And that's what gets me so worked up about this is because clearly there was a thought process that came out you know, plugged in all the equations and it came out with, oh, okay, let's put Paolo Bancaro ahead of Carl Anthony Towns. Makes no sense. That makes no sense. All right. Done with the soapbox moment when it comes to that. We'll get back to this list when they do list Anthony Edwards and also uh, Rudy Gobert, um, unless I completely missed him, was not on this list. Shouldn't have been on this list quite yet. I'm guessing he'll be in 3C. Um, so we'll get to all that uh, when it's posted. We'll talk FIBA, all that good stuff here in the coming days. A big thank you to those that do make Lockdown Wolves your first listen every single day. Of course, this show is free and available everywhere, including YouTube, as well as all of your favorite audio platforms where we listen to podcasts. You can find this show. You can also watch on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota app on both Roku and Amazon Fire TV. And you can follow on Twitter at Lockdown T Wolves and also at B Beacon with two B's, two E's, CK. Ian. Of course, the Lockdown Wolves podcast is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Remember, the Lockdown Network is your local experts on all the biggest stories. Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Lockdown Wolves podcast, and we'll catch you next time.